Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Bobcast with you, as always, is Bob, live in the natural lounge, staring at the Ouija board. Super stoked to be out here today on the last day of 2023 with an esteemed guest. Before I, um, I bring him on the show, I just want to talk about him um, in detail. So, as you all know with me, I've been um, <clears throat> attending Storehouse Church for almost, I think, two and a half, three years now. And today's guest, um, the first time I met him, it was when we were in the post world of COVID and we were doing uh, outdoor services at the time. And uh, I recall sitting in my bench and I, re I recall seeing somebody walking towards me who had long hair, who had tattoos, who appeared to be counterculture, who appeared to be somebody that I was going to know in the future. We both said hello to each other. I think he might've said to me like, Oh no, is this, is this the nine or the 11? And like they, something happened there or whatever. But like, I didn't really think much of it until last night when he texted me and he was like, I'm going to come on your podcast tomorrow. And I was just like, you know what? It's so crazy. When he first came to the church, you came to, I saw you first, you know, mm -hmm. when I saw him first, there was a couple of things that I noticed. One, yes, that counterculture presence that I always enjoy. But then I realized that he too, he, he possessed something that I envied at that period of my life. And that was uh, a very healthy sense of spirituality. When you have a very healthy sense of spirituality, it's not that like you wear like a t-shirt that says I have a healthy sense of spirituality. It just kind of like glows through the person. It emits through their pores, their presence changes. And I got to be honest, um, as I've always been on the show, I was uh, jealous of it. I was, um, I was almost, um, I almost like turned away from it just because I was just like, this guy's too pure. He's got something in there that I've been, I know that exists within me. I don't know if I ever can get back there. And then like I saw like your interactions with people. And then there was this particular time where we we're outside and I remember they prayed for you. They all put their arms on you, the whole church, the congregation, and they prayed that you might have a successful future at Storehouse Church. And I remember thinking to myself, that looks really good. And then weeks, months later, I had people pray for me. I was inspired by that moment just because it was just such a unique presence. Today on December 31st, I'm also very happy to announce that today was his first time at Storehouse Church delivering uh, the sermon, the, the good word of the Lord. And I can say to you that, uh, yeah, he made me well up with tears a few times just because I was so entertained by what he had to say, but I was also really like emotionally moved by it because he mentioned many things that I identify with. And with that being said, I'm very happy to welcome here onto the Bobcast, Mr. Actually, Pastor Carter Bowman. <laughs> it's a pleasure to be here, Bob. Thank you. Thank you for coming into the Natural Lounge. I appreciate it. I mean, like being that we're, you know, I guess, what, uh, 45 minutes post, what did that feel like? What was, the, what was it? Like the adrenaline? Like you were talking about like lots of different things, like being John the Baptist, seeing Jesus come down, the adrenaline flowing through your body, realizing the Messiah is here. What was it like for you today? And... It was relieving, and I think that there is there's a moment that happens sometimes when God cuts through a lot of fear and the Holy Spirit starts moving. And there were a few moments when I was up there and preaching where I went off of my script just because I felt, hey, I, I'm going this way, and just trusting, you know, mm -hmm. trusting that the prayers that I'd made that, you know, God used this sermon time, the prayers that I knew other people were having for me that, okay, there's something that's coming from this that's important. And there was something that was very relieving about it not being 
a performance anymore. It was mm. just became a. Hey folks, this, hello. how you doing? Hey, Happy New Year. See ya. That's another thing on the show here. Not to make you oh, feel. Of course. We say hello to everybody, mm -hmm. no matter what we're talking about. Absolutely. So, so, so like when you went off script, right? So like that improv feeling, right? That is the Holy Spirit, like working right through you though, right? Like in a way, right? Like it's godly. Yeah. And I, I think I was able to trust that, hey, I, you know, I've prepared something. I worked really closely with Tasha and Jameson to make sure, hey, is this scripturally on point? Is this structurally on point? How, is this going to connect with the audience? Am I setting up and framing? Oh, put it right there. There you go. Are we good? Yes, you are good now. Yep. Awesome. I got you. And you know, having that trust of, yes, this is prepared. We've prepared a way that now God can use this. Yeah. And there was something incredibly relieving about it. No longer just being like, Hey, this is just me up on that stage. You know, this is just I, me doing it. I thought you crushed it. Okay. I mean, like my wife and I both were like, you know, not tell we were telepathically communicating during the service. Just being like, <laughs> he's, he's really doing it. He's crushing it. But like, I was like really proud of you, man. Like, uh, just because it was like so natural. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I grew up in a Catholic church and, like, I know the unnatural talk of a sermon, you know? <laughs> I know when someone's not actually speaking from their heart about things that really, you know, uh, make a difference to them, you know? And, like, I mean, like, the, I just asked you on the way up the hill here, like, why you chose the topic. And the t today's topic really focused on John the Baptist, which has always been one of my favorite figures. And you touched upon a lot of stuff today that I want to tell the listeners about. And it's like, can you tell them, like, just a bit for the people who weren't there at church today about that day when Jesus comes down to him at the river and what he asks him to do. And like, what, how did John feel about that? Sure. So this whole series that we've been doing is about how like, you know, it's God's surprising presence and why God's presence there, it matters. And so we hear this story where, you know, Jesus comes down to the Jordan river and he asks to get uh, baptized by John the Baptist. And John at first is like, Oh, wow. Oh, okay, you know, we're, mm -hmm. let's do this. And we focus so much just on the baptism. And then Jesus immediately goes into the desert for uh, 40 days to be tempted. But thinking about what that meant for John and thinking about the fact that, oh, my entire life has been dedicated to being a prophet, to saying that the Messiah is coming, to telling people the word. And I've based everything around that. Well, that word's old news. <laughs> it's no longer the thing, you know? And I think that that must have been a very humbling feeling, yeah, yeah, a little I mean, vulnerable feeling even. Well, how many of us do you think that are listening to the show have like had an idea of like what they thought their life would be and it didn't turn out that way, you know what I mean? But like being cool with it, you know what I mean? Like it's a different type of vibe to be like, well, that didn't work out, but I'm still going to maintain positivity. Mm-hmm. You just mentioned something I did not know historically in the timeline. So he gets baptized and immediately goes into the desert. It says that after being baptized, Jesus goes into the desert. Now, to be fair, we don't know, is that a, he literally gets up out of the or river and walks like in, okay. or is that like, we just know that's his next step. Um, so mm -hmm. before Jesus starts his ministry, hey, hey. say hi. Hey, how you doing? Hey. How you doing? Uh, before Jesus starts his ministry, he knows he needs to get baptized and he needs to go out into the desert and where that's where he is tempted by Satan, but he resists the temptation. And then it's only after that, that he starts his real mission. And but John, he had no clue that he was coming. Right. So the day that it arrives, though, mm -hmm. he has no clue. He like looks up and knows though, from yes. what like I can like attest from all the stuff I've read. Right. Like that's gotta be so wild. 
you know what I mean? Like a wild feeling to like, to know Mm -hmm. in that moment. But then you also touched upon the parts that why I always like enjoy like hearing these stories because it's like no other, like, you know, there's other religions of the world and stuff like that, but this is why Jesus is so different than the most. As Tasha said, like uh, maybe a year ago, he's the only wounded uh, healer, the only wounded, like, you know, God. And like the thing that's so wild is that he, you know, he comes there and like, John's like, wait a minute, you, you want me to baptize you? Mm-hmm. And then he has this line, which is like really, you know, just like, I can't remember it verbatim, but it's like kind of like being like, look, I know what you're saying, but it's cool. We're cool with it. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and I think that that's so different than anything that like when you, re- when you uh, revel somebody or you build them up to be a larger than life figure. Like I just was speaking the other day on this bench about when Jesus sees Zacchaeus, you know, mm-hmm. like he saw the person who didn't think that they were being seen, you know? Mm-hmm. And I love that. You know, it's like, I think that in life, people don't do that. You do that every week with the, the kids at Storehouse. Like, you want to tell everybody, like, if they have young children, like, what you do? Sure. So, I work with the senior high students. So, ninth mm-hmm. grade through 12th grade. And we meet every Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Um, and we do our lessons, like, a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Whereas a lot of times, you know, a popular, you know, sermon, you get up, you hear the speaker. Here, everything is large discussion and small group discussion based. So, we'll introduce the main topic as a large group. Where we're asking questions. And that's where we have a little bit more of the abstract topic, like, hey, what's our interpretation here? How do we feel about this scripture? What does this mean? And then we go into our small groups, and those are guys groups and girls groups, and that's where it's more personal. And it's like, well, what does this mean for me now? How does this apply? Because our goal is that they're building that relationship with each other and with their small group leaders so that they can like really develop more of like an authentic faith. I think that's our number one priority is that they're developing, not just saying, oh, I'm a Christian. No, saying like, no, no, I have a relationship with the Lord. It's built on time and thought and reflection and prayer Mm -hmm. and relationship. What you were mentioning to me, um, one of the goals you have is to make scripture a little bit more accessible or a little bit more, what was your word? Alive. Alive. talk Talk to us about that. Like what? Why is it hard for some people to read the Bible? Hmm. I think that the Bible can come across very foreign because it is written with a mindset that is so alien to how we consume things these days. Hmm. The Bible was primarily written as oral like stories that we were you were supposed to read it out loud. And it was also so much of it is written as meditative literature. You're supposed to ruminate on it. You're supposed to read things and kind of puzzle over it. There's a lot of wordplay in the ancient Hebrew that is very intentional. And I think that the writers, you know, Moses, the prophets, they were like sinking their teeth into it and like, oh my gosh, there is so much depth to the word of the Lord I'm going to bring that out in the words I choose, the way that we repeat themes that when Jesus does anything, he's referencing the whole story behind him, you know, and the choices that they make, the way that the authors do callbacks, Mm. it's supposed to show that, no, no, it's not just things were bad and then Jesus showed up and now things are good. No, it's like, no, Jesus is the culmination of thousands of years of history repeating itself over and over again. The people of Israel struggling and failing 
and how that's just a reflection on us and that you read it the first time and you're like, oh man, let's go. Hey, go birds. Yeah. Um, you read. Yeah, I know yeah. what you mean. That's why we're here right now. <laughs> you read scripture the first time mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, wow. Okay. So, you know, we have the disciples and some of them mess up and we have the Israelites and some of them mess up and even Moses messes up and we keep kind of going through and this seems like a kind of repetitive story. And then you're like, oh, no, this is my story. Mm-hmm. This is the nature of being in a sinful world mm-hmm. is that keep messing up we keep getting back up again and that's human and the bible doesn't dismiss that in fact it describes it it acknowledges it it dives into it and then god keeps coming back Mm. and he comes back and he meets people individually and these stories that come out and some of them are stories that we know that are like oh you know okay i i get the story of moses like Mm. i'm familiar with that but then you have stories that like uh, a perfect example is like Jonah. Mm-hmm. That's a comedy. Can you tell everybody who doesn't know who Jonah is? Sure. Yeah. So Jonah was one of the minor prophets who is called by God to go to Nineveh. And he's go there to preach the word and say. Where's that, Nineveh at? We don't have yeah. young Jamie assisting yeah. here, so don't worry about it. It's okay. <laughs> um, that's a, I actually don't know off the top of my head. It's okay. Yeah, it's yeah. in the area of the Holy Land. There you go. There it's you in go. the area of the Holy Land. <laughs> And the Ninevites were not kind to mm. the people of Israel. In fact, we would see the uh, they would see the Ninevites in the same way that we would see um, like fascist Nazi Germany. Wow! That, like wow. genocidal, homicidal. These are a dangerous people who are a threat to our safety. And God calls Jonah and says, "I need you to go preach and say that God is coming." And he's like, "I don't want to." Mm-hmm because I just want you to come and destroy them. <laughs> I don't want to give them <laughs> yeah. warning. So he goes the opposite direction. He tries to run away and then he gets swallowed by a whale and then oh. he shows up and he's washed up on shore in Nineveh and he goes in right into the center of the city. And what's hilarious is it says he took a three day walk to the center of the city and he just preached the shortest sermon ever. He says, God's wrath is coming. Mm nothing else and it says the king repented the people repented the cows repented everybody repented and we would read that story and be like oh wow so like it all worked out no no no. this is a comedy you're supposed to laugh Mm. you're supposed to literally said one sentence yeah wow he delivers like a two-word sermon that's it he just says and just he gives them no hope he doesn't say does he come from a place in that time period where people would listen to him no Okay, it's so just a lower, minor prophet. Lower tier caste system. Yeah, lower. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It, in all, like, it should never have worked. Mm-hmm. And then it does. And then on top of all of that. They happened, all started to repent. They all repent. What happened? Just because they just knew? <laughs> They're just because God's the spirit worked in them. Wow. And you're supposed to read this as this is the ridiculousness of the story in that Jonah tries so little and God does so much. And then after all of that, this is where the children's storybooks end. They always end in Jonah 3. Oh, wow. And they always just say, and Nineveh repented. In Jonah chapter 4, Jonah is super disappointed. And he goes and he sits on a hill and he wishes that he was dead. Oh, wow. And God makes a plant spring up beside him to give him shade. And it says, Jonah was happy about the shade. And then God sent a worm and it ate the plant and the plant died. And Jonah was sad and wished that he died. And then it ends. 
wow, it sounds like a children's <laughs> book in a way too. Like, uh, wow, there's a lot there though. That's like what you were saying before though. There's a lot to meditate on yeah. with such small little elements. And I think that when like some people say to me, like, you know, like, oh, Bob, like, I don't, I, you know, I read the Bible and I can't figure anything out. I'm like, well, did you like just read a little bit and then think about it for like a week? Mm-hmm. Why, they're like, why would I do that? And I'm like, hello. Like, that's like yeah. with it, you know? I think that there's a discord between like our society and the society of yesteryear that enjoyed the out loud storytelling because mm-hmm. that was the Netflix, that was the Tubi, that was the YouTube of that generation was the suits there, the rock and tour who could sit around the fire and talk, talk about stories. Mm-hmm. I, I miss that, you know? This is why we podcast, by the way. Mm-hmm. Is that for me, it's like it's the oldest form of my youth that still exists is when we just hung out and talked, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And you learn a lot when you like talk to people, you know what I mean? Um, during your sermon too, you also mentioned something about like, uh, I, I, there's a, a song that I like about like, you know, God, it's like just a little bit of faith is all you need, you know? Mm-hmm. I forget. I think we played the song together, by the way. By the way, Carter plays in the, the church band with me. He rips the drums, dude, okay? <laughs> the first time I saw him play the drums, I'm like, God, did you have a plan this whole time for me to play my bass guitar with him? Because <laughs> I did not play the bass. I told you, I was done with it. And now I'm hooked to it, you know what I mean? Like a great time. For oh, you. yeah, we were <laughs> on it. I remember the one time we played the Fierce by Jesus Culture. God, I love that song. Yeah. I've been asking Steve, I'm like, can we please play it again? And, you know, but like, there's that one part where like it pauses. Like a hurricane. Dude, I love it. Oh, yeah. But I, I mean, like, there is no greater feeling than worship music. We'll get to that. But what was I just saying? Oh, the tiny, like, you were talking today about for somebody who's on the fence, you know, God only needs just a tiny little bit of faith. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really hard for people who don't have spirituality in their life. You, can mm-hmm. you elaborate a little bit more on that? Yeah. It, Jesus, time and time again, says, like, you know, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, mm-hmm. God produces fruit that's just, you can't even fathom it, you mm-hmm. know? And I think that we as humans have such a hard time with faith because it involves not knowing what the fruit is going to be mm. or whether we'll see the fruit or whether we'll personally receive the fruit. You know, we, we view, we run on rewards. We do. We run on rewards. We also run on a need for conclusion. Mm. We see our lives as I need to see the arc of this story. I need to see character arc. Yeah. yeah, Like I need to see if I'm going to go through trials and, you know, issues, I need to see the, the act three where it all comes together and the hero's journey comes around and it was worth the time and effort. Yes. Yes. I need that moment where Frodo returns to the Shire (laughs) and they all sit around and they, they cheers. Cheers We as humans crave, we really that moment where we have, balance Mm. but let me ask you this in your life have you ever had a moment of true balance or do you have 15 story arcs running in your life all at the same time and you're always in the middle of it yeah i mean like life is so um i talk a lot about on the show that i have two lives Mm. i have a spiritual life and i have an occupation occupational prison life you know like my occupational prison life is where i gotta go for 40 hours a day, 40 hours a week, 40 hours a day. <laughs> I got to go there to provide for my family. But mm-hmm. my spiritual job is this right here now, doing this with you. Like, I like this. This mm-hmm. job right now feels right to me. Mm. This job of um, coming to a place like this, talking to somebody about stuff that you can't see. Mm. Because I do believe 
that that is very hard for people. They want to know. I often often wonder too, like what if like, you know, there was 100% concrete proof. Oh, dude, he's coming back. They'd still run from him. They mm-hmm. would still run because, I mean, I was telling you on the hill up and even my personal life, people still try to deter me from Jesus Christ. Like people I've loved, you know, I still mm-hmm. love them. And I forgive them for doing such things, but like, it's weird, isn't it? That the thing that can give you the most happiness people run from. I'm a product of that. And mm-hmm. I know the listeners who've been listening to me for 10 years. I was pretty like not, I was very world religion. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. the world. But then, you know, like I had a relationship with Jesus when I was like six that I remember dreaming about him mm-hmm. and like feeling good around mm-hmm. his presence. And then, you know, pop culture, Catholic school, family, emotional abuse, like anything that could be thrown into the kitchen sink. I think a lot of times people suffer from their lack of faith or their lack of belief in God is because they've been hurt by another human, Hmm. not by Jesus and not by God. Mm -hmm. Though Tasha would argue, like she told me when we were out here that Jesus was 100% human and 100% God Mm -hmm. because I confuse it as 50% human, 50% God. She corrected me. I've been thinking about that a lot. Imagine carrying 100%, you know what I mean? The whole time, two times, you know, like, Oh yeah, but I think that that's like you know like what I really enjoy is the spiritual occupation of being in the presence of like God, you know, and like also like why why are we really here? You know what I mean? Like what are we yeah. really doing here? Most people don't even ask themselves that, nor do they want to, mm-hmm. because they're so con- concerned with things like if there will be enough money in the four hundred one k to retire to Florida. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I I've never like felt that way. But I feel sorry for the people who do because they're missing out on that whole other element of spirituality that can help people, you know? Did you always have faith? I think that I have always belonged to Christ. Okay. And I think that that, that's a slightly different answer. Mm -hmm. You know, you want to walk and talk? Let's walk and talk. Let's do it. So I would say that there's not, that there's never been a time in my life where the Holy Spirit didn't have me, but I do not think that I truly began walking in faith until I was 18. And I think that my faith really changed in my 20s. Um, Anything happened? When I was 18, I had, you know, been, you know, just kind of like normal teenager and I'd grown up in church and all that kind of stuff. And something that God had begun really confronting on my heart was um, the sin of secrecy and the sin of like holding things back and hiding things. And part of that came from being in a very controlling household, but also too, it was my own sinful nature. And God was really calling me to like lay bare the, you know, the secrets that I've been holding, the things I was struggling with. And looking back, none of them were things that (laughs) were, beyond the normal teenagerships, you know, of, you know, lust and anger and all these things. But to me at that time, I'm like, no, 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 I cannot be vulnerable, especially with the people I feel I can't be vulnerable with, which Mm. were my parents. And God was like, okay, he was very direct. Like you're building a wall. Like you, you are making a wall between us. And like, I've given you a direct calling. And for a year I put it off. And then finally, I think the Holy Spirit just moved me to submit. And that's when, you know, I laid bare and I came out with a lot of things that I was struggling with. And I put the, you know, walls down with my parents. I put the walls down with God. 
And that's when I feel like I finally understood what it meant to follow God and not just be, oh, I'm just generally a Christian, you know, about like that was the, the step of faith. And I think that that was when I began growing with God, but I think it really changed in my 20s when um, my mom became ill and I became kind of caretaker in a lot of issues and there were a lot of moments of needing to trust, but I think that's also when God began blessing me with reassurance. Um, Something that, and I've never really been one for like, hey, saying like, these are spiritual gifts or these are things that God gives us and like trying to put that on other people or myself, but something that God has always been very direct with me about is promises and asking for me to have faith in those promises. Um, uh, uh, Some of them are on small scales. Like there's two people in my life that God has told me would come to Christ. Wow. Yeah. And one of them, I have actually seen come to Christ and one of, he was here today. The guy looks like Duncan Trussell with the beard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, his name is Dave and uh, he was actually. How you doing Dave? Yeah. He was one of the first um, small group kids I ever had when I first started doing student ministry like 12 years ago. Wow. And uh, I, I actually was with him when um, he came to Christ and the other is a uh, friend of mine from high school who. I haven't had contact with in 15 years, but you know what? That's okay. God was just very direct and said, this person's going to come to Christ. I'll probably never see it, but that's okay. <laughs> I just know that this is going to happen in their life. Um, wow. In other ways too, like um, a month before my mom passed away in 2017, I went to Japan by myself uh, for two weeks because my parents literally said, like, you, you should get out of here. Mm-hmm. Like, you need to get away um, and just be away from this house. Yep. And those were two very lonely, strange weeks that I actually don't have a lot of memories of. Um, but I do know that, like, I spent so much time just, like, prayer journaling and walking around the city and just, like... Did you speak the language? I know enough to like order food, mm-hmm. ask for stuff, just to, you get by. What made you go there? Um, I had been once before. I just loved culture. Yeah. yeah. Loved it. I made it friends really there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, the people are kind. It's just a great city to be in. Um, but during that time, God just gave me this peace. Mm. I, I had been just this wrangled mess of anxiety and God promised that he would be with me. Um, and then I came back and a few weeks later, uh, my mom passed away. But even in that, um, God let me know that my mom passed away on the car ride home. And I knew that she had passed away before I got home. And I don't think that that was a moment where I think that that was just God helping to brace me for the impact. Yeah. I think that was a, a comfort in a hard moment, but all that being said, I think that God has, God has been a God of promises and reassurances. And, um, yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> so, so 12 years ago, you decided to get into um, the youth leadership, but where, where did the, where did the spark come from to complete successfully today's events? <laughs> I, I had always wanted to do, um, student ministry. Hey, I had always wanted to do, um, student ministry. Like I just, there's some things where we have callings that just seem obvious. Mm -hmm. Um, the way I would describe it is, you know how with your wife, you have a love for her that just feels obvious. Yes. Like you can't imagine it not being her. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that for me, like, just like with my wife, with Lauren, obviously it's her with student ministry. It's just been obviously like, it's just, you know, obviously that's what I want to do. (laughs) Um, And you don't, you don't think about why you just go because that's what it is. (laughs) And so I just always did volunteer youth ministry and loved it. And um, did it originally with Calvary church in Souderton then we moved over to Covenant Church in Doylestown, where I uh, made a really close friend of mine named Frank. And he was the youth ministry director there, and he kind of saw where my heart was at. And uh, he kind of gave me the opportunity to grow and train and teach. And, like, you know, he saw this is where I wanted to go, so he just gave me every tool to kind of learn that road, um, which was, you know, I'm incredibly appreciative. And started Shout out with, to Frank. Yeah, shout out to Frank Dorenzo. He actually is the uh, youth uh, ministry director over at uh, Calvary Church in Souderton now. Oh, how about that? Yeah. yeah and the, the youth ministers, I, I had one, right? Um, 1994. Oh, yeah? He listened to uh, episode 400 with Tasha, sent me a message, and we've been in communication, and he's going to come on the show, and we'll have like a- Oh, that's awesome. Like a reu- re- reunion of sorts. A but reunion, yeah. He was great in the in the way that he knew. I think a great youth counselor is somebody who- not only knows the word so well in and out, but also knows how to have a good time. Mm. He used to throw the ball so hard during dodgeball. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's the best, dude. <laughs> I remember his, uh, like, you know, his word and, you know, how he could be so, like, he would be so serious, like, with scripture and then just be so, like, like humorous with you the next moment. And it was, like, a relief because I think that's good for people to to feel like they're not, like, in trouble. Like, you were mm. saying, like, with scripture, like, make it more, you know, accessible. Like even with like religion, I feel like sometimes people are like, it's not for me because it's so serious and I need to, like, it's like, no, like it's not the serious type of thing. Like you got to go to work all like, this is something that you can do any time of day. Mm-hmm. You can pray, pray any time of day. Right. Mm-hmm. The thing that's crazy for people, like I tell people like I pray and they're like, well, what does it, what does it do for you? Mm. And like, I'm like, that's, there we go again. Like, wait, does it need to do something? <laughs> like, yeah. Do, does it need to have an end all result, you know, but well, it comes to me though. And like, like I'll pray for something and like, you know, like I don't really expect it to happen like right away. Like mm-hmm. I think that lots of people get that confused. How do you help that person? How do you help that person understand that prayer can be so much more? Uh, so, oh man, it's a good one, right? <laughs> we as people, feel the need to worship and to pray. And I think that both, I, I think prayer and worship are inevitable, but when we open our hearts to God and when we're praying to God, which is like opening ourselves up spiritually 
to the Lord. It's this answer of, oh, this, this yearning for to be understood, to reach out, to have communion, to have connection. This is what it was made for. You know, it's like if you've had a life where you've had nothing but high fructose corn syrup and Dr. Pepper finally being given a glass of water and your body going, this is what, what I was happen? made to have. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I mean, I think that we see in our culture and, and just in all cultures, I, I don't want to pretend like this is some new phenomenon. We feel the need to pray. And that's why there's so much, you know, reaching out for, you know, astrological signs, reaching out to the, the spiritual world in terms of things that aren't Christ-like, you know, um, seances, like all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Literally, all of that, it's a form of prayer. You're opening up your heart yeah. and you're, you're opening yourself up to something beyond you. The reason I think the Bible is so, like, warning against that is like, hey, when you're opening your heart up to something that's not God, you don't know what you're opening you the door to. You don't know what you're opening up, yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh, we're made to have that vulnerability with the Lord, not with things not of the Lord. And I think the same with worship. We feel this yearning to worship something and that's what we put our time into. That's what we put our effort, our mental energy. And when it's something that's not God, it leaves us frustrated. I feel like we all have spiritual amnesia. Like we, we, we Mm. come, we come from the source and like, Everything, like, I guess in the last couple hundred years, they've just been like, nope, you're not a spiritual being. Hey, mm. hey, dumb. You okay? Yeah. That sucks if I was alone. I would have talked to her. She was crying. Did you see her? Oh, no, I didn't. Ah, so she would just look really upset. Yeah. Sometimes people will stop and talk to you out here because mm-hmm. they're all out here for the same reason in a way. Yeah. Like some sort of connection towards themselves, God, to work on something, you know, but... Mm-hmm. I mean, I come out here for that, you know, like, um, it is interesting though, like the whole aspect of results. I never mm-hmm. really thought that that would be like the theme for this podcast, but it's like, dude, <laughs> if you're looking for results, it's not going to come in that, far, you know what I mean? Like, mm. I, I find that that's just like, so, and the other thing too is like prayer really, I mean, like Ben will text me sometimes and be like, can you pray for me for this? You know what I mean? And I'll do the mm-hmm. same as well. And like. I know so many people who are like, oh my God, please let me pass this test. Oh my God, please let me, you know, get this job. It's yeah. like the things that we're talking, that they're talking about are physical things on this world. They're not spiritual like type, like goals or achievements. And it's mm-hmm. like, it gets so frustrating. Maybe you won't be such a, like when you're in your forties, like me, then you'll be like, ah, God, like why does everybody keep making the same mistake? <laughs> Maybe things will change, you know, but like. I find it like, okay, so I was saying to you earlier too, like one of the things that you've mentioned, you mentioned it today and everybody else has mentioned it there too, is like you got you to gotta talk about God in the workplace. You know what I mean? You got to bring mm-hmm. it out, you know? I've had some really successful um, interactions with people while talking about the Lord, mm. especially uh, shout out to my friend Art at the high school. I really enjoy every single spiritual encounter I have with you. And I know all the students there too as well. I do find that sometimes, though, I can get shut down real quick. Mm. Um, the, the eye roll, the the unassuming. Oh yeah, Bob. You know, is that what you did? Is that what you're saying? You know, like mm. facetious behaviors. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? How, like, if you're somebody who's listening to the podcast who also does believe 
like us, and you're, you might be struggling like I do in the workplace to get the word out in your practice and in your experience, what's the best way to introduce prayer? Like, how do you, like, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. is it the Our Father? Because I don't know if it is, you know, like, how could you tell somebody about the benefits of it? It's like almost like saying, like, oh, you got a headache? We got these things called ibuprofen. It's going to make you feel real good. You yeah, know? yeah. <sighs> Hard, right? And I bet you they've been thinking about this for thousands of years, how to bring people to the fire, you know? Because mm-hmm. it's, it's funny because if you try to talk about prayer, it's almost like you're trying to set somebody up on a blind date with God. <laughs> <laughs> You know, yes, it's like, yes. hey, just, just, just go, <laughs> just try it, you know, yes. and people naturally put their defenses up. And I think one of the tensions that will always exist with, with evangelism is it's our duty and responsibility to share the gospel. And it's also the Holy Spirit who moves in people that allows them to receive it. Yeah, that's a big piece right there that you got, I guess get you know it's like mm-hmm. and i think a lot of people don't like to be solicited you know but it's like mm-hmm. but I, I guess back in the day it didn't there was no such things as solicitations or like you know what i mean like mm. it was a different world back then you know it seems to me like the time that we're living in now is just so confusing like and you you brought up you know israel a lot today during the thing and like mm-hmm. how you know this 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 group of folks you know this this land like this religious property, like what's going on now in the world. I mean, like the religious implications of it, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I've been saying to like my wife secretly every night, like, dude, I hope he comes back tomorrow. I hope it's <laughs> tomorrow. You know what I mean? Like, mm. I just don't know how else we can achieve peace. And like, I don't know if I shared that story with you about the, there was these guys in the Gaza Strip, there was these Palestinian fathers who had lost all their children and they went to a Bible study excuse me, like a missionary mm-hmm. type place where people who are Christ followers consoled the fathers who had lost their children and they read passages of the Bible to them and they sent them home that night. And the next day, a whole bunch of them returned because they claimed that they had dreams of Jesus and now they were converting oh, wow. from uh, the Muslim religion to the Christianity religion. Mm-hmm. I love hearing stuff like that, you know, because mm-hmm. I think we were also talking about like some people can't comprehend a God that exists in a world where bad things happen, right? And that's mm. a big thing for some people. They're like, ah, for me, don't mm-hmm. believe in God because bad things happen. Mm-hmm. Somebody said today, it might have been Adam, maybe, mm. that God doesn't do bad things. Life does bad things. Mm. I never heard anybody say that before. <sighs> yeah. it's. What do you think it is? I think it's the nature of living in a fallen world. Huh. And I think it's a... We have a hard time reconciling that we live in a world and this was not the way the world was meant to be. This, this was not the picture that God had. And what God is doing is taking a a car that broke down and he's saying, I am still carrying you on it. But until we have Jesus's return, we're, we don't even have a clue how fast that car can go. You know, it's like, and this is something I've even talked about with the students occasionally is, you know, and using the same car analogy is this world is sort of like if we kind of piece things together and the car runs sometimes and sometimes it breaks down and 
So it'll have a good day, but gosh, when it has a bad day, it's so much to repair, and it doesn't feel like it's even worth it. But then when we get to heaven, and when we're with God, we're like, oh my gosh, this, the, we were supposed to fly. We're, you know, we were supposed to do all these amazing things, and this is the way it was supposed to be the whole time. Um, we're down here at Bell's Mills if it's getting a little loud. For listeners of the show, you know where we're at. <laughs> Carter, I've almost had to jump off into the water a few times here. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it's happened. <laughs> I did get into um, an altercation here once with somebody who was uh, not too happy with me being out hiking during COVID. Oh, yeah. During COVID, I came here every day because I needed something. You know what I mean? Like, sure, sure. And that's when like the love affair with this place like reemerged. It was like, yes, there's a place I can go. And then slowly and surely, it just became the spot to be. Dude, yeah. 100% with the whole car analogy, like... Sometimes this car works. It's like having like an old Volkswagen bus. Mm-hmm. It may work. It may not. We may need to push it down the hill, put it in second gear, and then jump start it. But I mean, we're going to get there. You know, like mm-hmm. it's it's wild though. Like because I was one of them. That's the crazy thing is it's just like I was so hurt. Like I was saying earlier, like I had a conversation with somebody over the holiday break who was an atheist. I was like, "Why are you an atheist?" And like, really, it came down to human beings hurting other human beings not Mm. god not jesus you know what i mean but like the nun Mm. like who slapped like my one friend she stopped believing in god and jesus just because of like almost like abuse you know and it's like yeah i wonder how many people share in that experience that they've run from god because of physical pain that's been inflicted upon them or emotional in the church like i i was an altar boy Catholics, Catholic church, and I never had any altercations, but I did see, you know, like how people could lose their faith in that type of institution just because mm-hmm. of how strict it was. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the strict, rigid rules of the Catholic, like, well, right now, dude, I mean, like, yeah, I don't, mind. I don't think she, nobody's going to bust this for this, but okay, so like my wife right now is in a quandary. She got asked by her best friend to be the godmother for her brand new daughter, right? Mm, mm-hmm. But in order to be the goddaughter, you need a you need to have a written word from your priest. Hey, how are uh, you? Hi. You okay, kid? You all right? Have a good day. Hello. It's a lot of emotion out here on the trail today. It's oh, yeah. a lot of emotion. It's the second person I saw crying out here. It's okay. We're here to heal. Okay. <laughs> it's what we do here on the True Bobcast. <laughs> I can't remember what I was just saying. You're talking about um, your wife and oh, she yes, has to get yes. a note from her yeah, priest. Yeah, so, so like she's got to get a note, but it can't be from anything but a Catholic priest. Like Tasha couldn't write the note. Huh. And like, Heather, like oh, I just said Heather. I'm sorry, Heather. But anyway, like Heather was like, well, can't you just say, you know, like, and Teresa was like, I can't do that. Mm. <laughs> like, I can't lie about my faith, you know? Right, right. And yeah, I've I've been uh, at the, the other end of that a couple of times, like test it, like almost like um, it's got the same type of feeling to it, like with the you know when the the cock crows three times feel, you know what I mean? Like oh, you want to be with me, but I tell you this, my brother, you're gonna you know dismiss me three times. I love that part of the story too, by the way. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. <laughs> because that's a human thing, and yeah. humans do that all the time, right? Like I've been thrown under the bus by people who praise me. You know what I mean? Like and it's like. We're so quick to turn on each other, you know? And mm-hmm. not in a way it's like, like, oh, no, I'm not associated with them. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. especially in today's cancel culture. What yeah. would the story of Jesus look like in today's cancel culture? Like, would the story even get out? Like, <sighs> wild, right? Like, <sighs> yeah. 
I mean, it would. It would get out. It's just that the word would, like, the other thing, too, is, like, it's hard for people to understand. Like, imagine, like, expecting to have, you know, Kal-El walking through the door and being like, I'm Superman. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to go, you know, I'm be the, the tyrant who takes care of business. And instead, you get, like, somebody who comes out looking. As a servant. A servant. Somebody who's like, nah, I'm going to write the word in you. Mm-hmm. I used to struggle with that, too, being like, well, why didn't Jesus write nothing? And then somebody said to me once, well, dude, what's the most, like, what's the most beautiful thing you could do for a friend? And it's like to put everything into them, to write it in them. You know what I mean? Like that's mm-hmm. some trippy stuff, really. You know what I mean? Being like, yeah, nah, y'all get there. You know what I mean? <laughs> I do man. Yeah. Happy new year. But yeah, dude, the other thing too, that I've been thinking about a lot lately. I don't know oh, if you have pet. Hello. Oh, hello. Oh, there's a little dog. Yeah. Oh, you, yours. Yeah. Yeah. I love the videos on uh, social media where, you get to heaven and God's like, oh, by the way, somebody's been waiting for you. And like the dog runs out. Oh, I want to see my dog Mojo so bad. Oh, God, I would love to see him. <laughs> I do believe though that the love of a dog, you can learn a lot from a dog, man. You know what I mean? Because that dog loves unconditionally every day for mm-hmm. say 13 years. Mm-hmm. I go down to Wawa to get gas. I come back and the do- my dog Russell looks at me like the champion has returned. <laughs> and I think we can learn a lot like from the dog, you know? Yeah, because we all we all think that like oh this is gonna go on for seventy eighty years, I'll go on at least seven eight more vacations with my family, you know like all these like promises right mm-hmm. or results. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes the best thing to do is to just let go and let God take control. Mm-hmm. Like what happened to you today during trip? Like you know what I mean? Like in the beginning, at some point today, God took control of you, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I've been thinking when just like hearing you talk. And something I kind of wanted to mention, you were talking about how, like, our mistreatment can lead us to, like, resent, you know, faith, yep. resent Christianity. The thing that I spend a lot of time thinking about and the thing I contemplate a lot is not big crossroads moments that happen because, like, I mean, I'll be honest, like, I'm not, I'm not worried about, like, abusing, like, a, you know, one of the students and, like, you know, physical or emotional or otherwise. But what I do worry is that they, everything was fine, but forgettable that their experience when they were young with Christ was okay, but I'm going to move along now. Wow, dude. Fine, but forgettable. Yeah. And man, like that, that scares me is that, there's so many students because I've done youth ministry for, for years. And one of the things that's always hurt my heart a little bit is seeing the students who were a part of it and could give the answers and were in the, they were you know, walking the walk. They did the retreats. They did the prayer groups. They had their journals. And then I see them 10 years later and things are fine, but it's not a, they're not, spark hasn't been lit yet or they're not walking with god they've just kind of filtered into the way the rest of the world works yeah, and that yeah. i was i was right in there i was a product of that man just being like ah eh, that's not for me you know mm-hmm. it's like it's like saying almost like to me now it's like a bath is not for you after three days of hiking out here you know what i mean like you know what's good for you you know but like, yeah so many people spend so much time running from it i got one friend man I don't know what it is about him and I. Somebody told me once that uh, the telekinetic 
connection he and I have together. It could be that in another life, we, we, he might have been my wife and I was, you know, because <laughs> I care about him. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, I really do. And, dude, I struggle with the fact that he doesn't believe. Mm-hmm. I've struggled with it since I was a teenager when I revealed to him. I remember one time revealing to him, you know, I believed in Jesus and like the, the ridicule that came off mm-hmm. it, but also loving somebody so much, you know, yeah. and then to have them say, after you've already given 85% of yourself to them being like, oh yeah, you believe in Jesus? Nah, dude. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then having to forge ahead, most people, some people like, you know, I love him no matter what. I forgive him, you know, mm-hmm. I keep praying that he'll have like some sort of epiphany. Mm-hmm. And then I got another friend. I'm like, hey man, I'm playing in the band again this weekend. You should come. He's like, I'll be there. You don't come. Yeah. And I said to him one day, you know, like, what happened with your faith? And he kind of told me, you know, story that I'll keep private. But um, I did say to him one day, I was like, dude, you got that tattoo of Jesus on you for a reason, didn't you? And he's mm-hmm. like, it was my first tattoo, Bob. And I'm like, there's a reason, right? You ever look at it? Mm-hmm. It's on your body now, right? And I pray for him constantly. And I almost feel like, for me, those two guys, like you have two guys, mm-hmm. I, God never told me, but I pray for it. I'm just like, come on, just come on over here. Yeah. I don't know why I'm so, like, there's other people I've met in life that I can't, it's not that I want to convince them. It's not that I need to convince them. It's, I just don't feel the need to, but with these hmm. two guys, I'm just like, send help. <laughs> you know what I mean? Something, is this nice? This is gorgeous. So like you're right here in the middle of Fairmont Park and when I was a kid, that canyon right there, or that like rock formation right there, mm-hmm. we used to hang out on the ledge, and written into the ledge was, Jesus saves tea. So we call it the Jesus saves tea rock. <laughs> and my friend's name was TJ. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> I think Jesus did save TJ in a way, so you know what I mean? Yeah. But, um, yeah. Yeah, I just, I it's, think it's the hard. Holy, the Holy Spirit puts certain people on our hearts. Yeah. You know? Um, something I've just been really like hit by over, you know, 2023 is like, there's people in our lives that, you know, Laura and I care a ton about. And we have like, you know, friends and neighbors and just people that we're investing in and they know, like, obviously like, yeah, you know, Carter works in ministry. They're super active. You know, they love Jesus and I'll even, you know, invite them to stuff, talk about it. And I'm never met with anger but more so like the equivalent of like me saying, oh yeah, this vegetarian diet's done wonders for me. And they're like, oh, well, that's, yeah, that's, hey, good to see you. Keep going with the veggie diet. Yeah. yeah, like saying like, oh, well, vegetarian, I'm glad that's worked for you. I'm not, but you know, like, that's good. Yeah, I'm yeah. glad you're enjoying it. Oh, I'm glad you're enjoying it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and there's no issue, but like, what we, is that? <laughs> What's the name of that, by the way? Ambivalence? Yes, that it is. Yes. Yeah. God, yeah. I can't stand ambivalence. And it's like mocking you in a way. Because <laughs> like, I do feel like, I feel like our culture today is actually probably more accepting on a whole than it has been in a long while. And I know that we live in an era where, you know, oh, there's political issues and things like that and all these things. But if you talk to the average person, I think that they have more of a tolerance for things outside their own paradigm than the, like, I don't know. You think that it has something to do with the expansion of technology in the 21st century? That people are now more open towards new ideologies because they can actually see them? I think that it's partially in response to the 
incredibly difficult number of years that we've had. <laughs> I think that we came through COVID, we came through really difficult, like, you know, election time, polarizing issues, people being driven apart. And didn't, people are didn't like, have a kid doing COVID? Uh, like when was he, he sorry, born? He was born in 2022. So, okay, yes, yes. I'm yeah, bad yeah. at math. <laughs> so, Suck. End of COVID. Um, so some people all, it never did end though. Yeah, I got some people at school. Bundle of Hey, but yes, it was a it was the dark night of the soul. But for some though, well, I think a lot of people grew. I grew. Yeah, too, and they saw like, oh, this needless division isn't good, you know. Yeah. But then the flip side is you have a lot of ambivalence, and like we, um, you know, this is actually a small victory, but Laura and I have uh, next door neighbors. Yes. And their son is like three months older than Sawyer. Yes. So they play together all the time. And we're close with that family and we really, you know, care about them a lot. And they aren't Christian or anything, but they've always been like, oh, yeah, we should check it out sometime. They watched online this morning. Oh, wow. And that, that meant a lot. And, you know, like little victories like that. Hey, how you doing? Hey, hey. How are you? Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Hey, hey. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. That's cool though. How did you, they text you to let you know that they were online? They texted Lauren and said that uh, awesome, they were so watching. Cool. That little things like that just mean so much. But sometimes I feel like there's almost a long, a longer hill to climb yep. for people who are fine than for people who are at that like do or die crossroads. Yeah, you know. Well, I mean, there's two things. One, hopefully, I mean, I know for the people who tuned in today online, the people who are in the room. That they're definitely reflecting upon today's message that you shared. I hope that they're also listening to this podcast and they listen to the words. I mean, um, this past hour has been awesome bringing you out here into the church mm -hmm. of uh, BOB. I, I can't wait until the next time that you get back up on the mic because truly I felt today that I was in the presence of just another great pastor in my life. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and it's just, I mean, like the, the way that you were able to tell the story. I didn't even touch upon this podcast. We'll, to, we'll do a trilogy sequel of this, of sorts. <laughs> but you're also a writer. I did do research. I did see that you were a published author. And you also like horror movies, so I'll have to bring you back on for that <laughs> because we both have a very big uh, love of you know the genre. But, mm -hmm. dude, it's, it's been a pleasure to, to have you on the show, but also to have you in my life as a fellow brother in Christ. We got baptized together. And uh, yeah. I, I look forward to the next time you're both on the show and both on the stage at Storehouse. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, my friend. My name's Bob, and as you know, this has been yet another episode of The Bobcast.